to the Frederick Democrats podcast, the official podcast of the Frederick County Democratic State Central Committee. I'm your host, Josh Kramer, and my guest today is Antonio Bowens, who is a candidate for alderman in the city of Frederick. Uh, And I just want to let you know the dates for the election this year. Uh, The primary election will be on Tuesday, September 12th. Uh, and the polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And the general election is Tuesday, November 7th. The polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. There's early voting in the city elections this year. Uh, primary early voting will be Friday, August 25th, and Saturday, August 26th. General election early voting will be on Friday, October 27th, and Saturday, October 28th. And if you're unsure of where to go vote, you can go to www.cityoffrederick.com slash 150 elections. You can punch in your address and it will tell you where your polling station is. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest, uh, Antonio Bowens. Uh, Antonio, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to do the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that uh, has been uh, talked about with your campaign, and I think one of the most exciting ideas uh, with with what you'd like to do as alderman, is this idea of Wi-Fi throughout the city of Frederick. So could you elaborate on this plan that you have for bringing more affordable Wi-Fi to the residents of Frederick City? Yeah. um, Like you said, I I did all the specs and looked at uh, municipal Wi-Fi for the city. Um, right now with the specs being, you know, uh, with a mesh net system being 65 megabit down speeds and, um, for that $15 a month for the city, it's a city owned and provided broadband. Um, and then, you know, the cost of it's going to be, you know, pretty reasonable, you know, in comparison to other projects that the city currently has going on. Um, it's a lot less than the West side regional park. Um, it's a lot less than what they originally paid for Hargood Farm. It's a lot less than a lot of the money we're getting for the downtown hotel and conference center. Um, it's going to cost under half a million dollars to get it up and started. And it's going to bring, you know, a decent amount of revenue in the city where with that revenue, I'd like the earmarket for infrastructure, bulk trash pickup. You know, a lot of people wanted to bring that back and that's the way I can work that into the budget is with this Wi-Fi program to get bulk trash pickup back. And, and I think in our previous conversations that you and I have had together, uh, you've seen that other cities have been doing this as well with with uh, bringing uh, a municipal-provided Wi-Fi services. Yes. A lot of the cities like uh, San Jose and Bristol, Tennessee, they do a free program, um, but that program, it's, it's not as effective as the program I want to bring in. Now, Seattle has a decent program of Wi-Fi as well. So would that be kind of the model on which you would use? I would look at that model and then I want to beef it up a little bit so it could be, you know, able to compete with Comcast because as we look at it now, Comcast kind of has almost a monopoly on the area. So we can kind of break that up mm-hmm. and provide, because if we can provide a lower cost um, utility, because that's what this day and age, what yeah. you know, internet access mm-hmm. is a utility. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a luxury. Mm-hmm. You know, kids need it for schools. For homework and stuff like that, and you need, you know, you need it these days to apply for jobs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So if we treat it like a utility, we can lower the cost. The city can bring in revenue that way, and the cost I'm looking at is only fifteen dollars a month. You know, compared to you know your Comcast built now, mm-hmm. if you're just getting Wi-Fi, it's, it could be sixty, seventy dollars for Wi-Fi. If I can bring you sixty-five megabit speeds for fifteen dollars a month, I think kind of 
a little bit better than Comcast. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> so. Uh, well, uh, so one of the other things I want to get into is a little bit about you, uh, Antonio Bowens, and, and who you are. And, you know, this is uh, this is your first time running for office. Correct. So uh, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about, about you, about yourself? About me. Well, I've lived in Frederick since 2012. Um, I kind of grew up in the area. I went to Urbana High School, graduated in 08. Um, I attended FCC um, for paralegal studies, so I have that background. Uh, got a couple classes left, but I'm working on that. Um, I, you know, I, I live off of 40. It's me and my dog, you know. And what kind of dog do you have? She's a lab Shiba Inu mix. And what's her name? Sadie. Nice. <laughs> Uh, and so you are running as a Democrat yes. uh, for Alderman, and so could you briefly explain why you identify as a Democrat? Um, well, it's I don't remember the you know the one defining moment where I was like you know what I'm a Democrat. I just felt like they were the party that you know represented equality, represented you know the working class, represented the everyday person, and that's how I felt. That's where I felt I belonged, and I still feel that way. Um, my grandfather. Um, he's a Democrat. He's named after a Democrat. His name is Franklin Delano. Oh, nice. But he's a Republican. <laughs> but growing up, so I would get the slack from my mom. My mom's liberal, and so is my grandmother. But my grandfather was the conservative. And, you know, just growing up, I'd meet him with butt heads every now and then. Um, I remember we got into one big, the first ever political fight we got into, and I have never discussed politics with him again. We got into a fight over Trayvon Martin. Oh, really? And we just... I've never been mad at my grandfather, but that was the first time we've ever had a full-blown argument. Well, that might be an interesting place to, to kind of segue into another issue, and that is, of course, the issue of policing. Mm. And, and Fred, not just Frederick, because this is a national issue. Um, you know, certainly we all want police to be able to do their job and to come home safely. And we also want the people that interact with the police to leave those situations safely. Correct. And, you know, and, and so I think, you know, if you get into an encounter with a police officer, everybody wants to leave that situation safe. Uh, and, and I feel like there's at least one point where, where we all can agree on, at least I hope we can all agree on that point at least. But, you know, in, in Frederick City, though, you know, how would you see, because Frederick City does have its own police uh, department, um, what would you see as your role in interacting with the Frederick City police and, and in terms of, like, do you think that, there, that there's a need for police reform here in Frederick City? What would that look like? And what would the relationship with the Board of Aldermen be with the police here in Frederick City? Um, as for a need for reform in the police, I believe, so from what I've seen, the Frederick City police do a, a good job. I've, I've never heard, you know, a horrible scenario with the Frederick police. I, I heard a couple weeks ago there was an incident where someone being pulled out of their mm -hmm. car. Um, I think, but that's the first one I've heard. So it's, I think it, one, it goes into training the officers. We need to look at even more training for the officers. And then we also need to look at, you know, in terms of... Is this like de-escalation training? I, I would, yeah, de-escalation training I think is good. But I also think that's good for the community as well. So we could also look into community policing because I think that also can help in some neighborhoods. Um, you know, I think um, Mullenix Park which has a lot of issues right now. I think that can be, that situation can be improved by a combination 
of the Frederick City Police and Community Policing. I think that'd be a good area to look at and see what we can do there. So what is, when you say community policing, what does that look like to you? To me, that's where it's, I kind of, remember, kind of like the days of the neighborhood watch. Um, you know, you've got people who are out there, you know, keeping an eye on things. Um, you know, I, you know, I think that's good. If people, if people know something's being looked after, they're, they're less likely to, you know, go and mess things up and stuff like that. Um, with Mullinex Park, I think it's an issue because it's kind of hidden away. It's kind of tucked mm-hmm. away for a little bit. I mean, you can get to it off of Carroll Creek, mm-hmm. but I think it's, for the most part, it's kind of hidden in front of it. So it's a little bit community policing. I think if we were to, if the city were to install, you know, lights mm-hmm. in the park, I think that'd be another good idea. Because I know right now it has like the little street lamps. Oh, Carol, yeah. Yeah. Carol Creek, but I think if we were to, you know, I don't want to call it a floodlight, but I think if you sure. do the brighter lights mm-hmm. to kind of illuminate the whole area, I think that'll help reduce the problem in Mullinex Park. But I also, I also understand it's a residential area, so we'd have to look into the, yeah. you know, the yeah. feasibility of that. Mm-hmm. But if we can keep, if the neighborhood can keep it up, like I said, I understand there's a lot of problems there. It's a, it's going to be a multifaceted solution for that area. And you did bring so the, on a totally different topic. You brought up uh, a bulk trash, yes. and so you do want to bring back I do uh, bulk trash. Um, last time I checked, I'm, you know, I may not be remembering the numbers right off the top of my head, but I, last time I checked, it was three hundred thousand yeah, a year. That's what I heard. So with my with the revenue from. The Wi-Fi, I definitely have enough to take care of that year after year. My numbers, my the projected numbers I have are based off of fifteen dollars an hour and thirty thousand households. Mm-hmm. Now there's thirty thousand, almost there's roughly there's a little bit more than thirty thousand houses in the city. It does not take into that number does not take into effect the apartment buildings. Oh, okay. So that would also rise up. So if we get thirty thousand people, which you know, thirty thousand homes, which is almost half the population of Frederick. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that'll do is that'll bring enough revenue to set some aside for bulk trash, to set some aside for revenue, and the rest can go to the general fund for the city. So now you did say something in there about basing it off of uh, $15 an hour. Is that a, you're looking at uh, an assumption of like what people are making in Frederick, or is that a statement towards support uh, of a change in the minimum wage here in the city? Well, you know, I didn't really think of it as a, a support of okay. a change in the minimum wage, but you know, now that you mentioned it, you know, that, that could be. I do support a change in the minimum wage in the city of Frederick. Um, I think we need to focus on living wages, not minimum wages. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Frederick is a good place to start. I mean, Frederick is the second largest city in Maryland, according to the 2010 yeah. census. And I think it's time we start doing that. You know, we don't always have to lag behind Annapolis and Baltimore. We can, you know... Move to the head of the pack. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that is a, a place where we can get into the discussion of economic growth in Frederick because certainly if we're talking about rising wages and to an extent here, there's also the question of affordable housing. Yes. Um, but let's let's talk about economic development and economic growth here in Frederick City. And what what is your vision, your plan to uh, to grow the economy here? Okay. Um, I would like to see more non-retail jobs move into the city like i think i know um one of the candidates for mayor jennifer doherty likes to see them all becoming another part of um fmh which i think is a great idea because it is becoming landlocked and it, you know they, they have nowhere else to go mm-hmm. when, to get to expand so i think we gave them another area in the city i think it's a great 
area too because the transportation's there. I mean, so, I mean, sorry, transit is there, and you've got an easy thoroughfare through Forty to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great place to put it. Um, the other thing I think we could look at trying to court some of these tech jobs. I mean, we used to have Bechtel in front of. Yeah. Um, if we could court something like Bechtel back into the city, I think that'd be great. Uh, so. One of the other things when we talk about economic development, you know, is the uh, the, the downtown hotel and conference center, uh, which uh, I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been kind of outspoken against at least the public dollar component to it, or I'm yes, more than the the public dollar amount and some and the amenities going in, because you know I feel some of the amenities are going against downtown Frederick. Um, I know they just recently came out with a new proposal for the site and they took off a restaurant and I think the gift shop, mm-hmm. but the original plan called for two restaurants, two bars, mm-hmm. a gift shop and a spa. I feel like that takes away from the great businesses that are downtown mm-hmm. already. Um, and a lot of people are saying, well, when you go to a city for a conference, you're going to go out into the city. Yes, that's true. But I'd also like to see you know, a little bit more investment into the small businesses here in Frederick. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the Plamondons are a Frederick family. I understand that. But I'd like to see, you know, the hotel give back to the city of Frederick by either, if they're going to have those restaurants and bars, why not make them leased retail space for small businesses in Frederick? Okay. The public dollar amount, I I know that just, the state of Maryland just gave the city mm-hmm money for the acquisition and everything so they're purchasing the land. Yeah. Um, where I believe the 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 idea now is that the city is going to purchase the plot and the Plumani is going to build a hotel on top of the plot. Um but I don't think the dollar amount I don't think owning the land is in the best interest of the city. Okay. I understand what the tax revenue, but I don't think owning the land is in the best interest of the city. Let's take a look at the issues we have where we own things that quite got out of hand, in my opinion. You know, you've got the Hargett Farm plot. You know, we purchased that for $18 million. It was only worth ten. Yeah, I've I've heard estimates now that it's worth somewhere between six and eight million dollars uh, because it was purchased at the height of the housing market, right, was, and then back, it was purchased back in oh oh nine under the Holtzinger administration. You know, it's almost been it's almost ten years later. You know, and we still now have a plan that's going to you know out the gate going to cost uh, ninety eight point five million dollars. So we're going to spend almost a hundred million dollars on a park. Then at the end of it, we're going to lose off the back end of this park uh, $550,000. I don't think is a smart business decision. I understand parks do not make money, but I also don't think we need a park that's over 100 acres. Um, and then if you look at the the issue we have with the golf course, the city owns the golf course, clusters by this golf course. We've had issues with the management there. We've you know The city still pays for it. Last time I checked the numbers, we're losing money on that, too. Um, the city owns Harry Grove Stadium. You know, they leased the land on Harry Grove Stadium. From what I understand, you know, again, the numbers out there, we're losing money there. So I think we need to take a serious look at our assets in the city and see where we're hemorrhaging money and how to stop it and where we need to rein in or if we need to let something go. 
All right. Well, uh, Antonio Bowens, thanks again so much for taking the time out of your day to do this podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners and the voters here in Frederick City appreciate it as well. No problem. Uh, So if you'd like more information on the Frederick County Democratic Party, you can go to www.frederickdemocrats.org. We're also on Facebook at Frederick Democrats. uh, And there's also the sister page, the Frederick County Democratic Party. I'd like to thank David Fitzwater, who uh, performed and composed the music for this podcast. And thanks so much to everybody for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.